Name that theologian and name that church body on today's edition of Table Talk Radio. You'll have fun. We did. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for downloading the podcast. Here's the, here's the show. You'll have fun? How do you know? A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. So, uh, you guys put the mega crunch on the song. That would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word. Passive, keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. The podcast where your razor is under lockdown. This is Table Talk Radio. Razor's under lockdown? I don't even know what that means. You should look in the mirror, maybe. You'll know what oh, that means. Oh, yeah, because I have the beard. <laughs> The beard. You, it's like a you know, it's you, like a permanent mask to block the corona. You, know? you can still shave. That's not illegal, as far as I've heard. Carrie keeps reminding me. <laughs> she says, "You know, you, how how bad does it have?" You got like get? the Texas handlebars yet, or what? You know what's funny <laughs> is the uh, now that you mention it. Now that you want to talk about the beard, because this is you know what makes great radio is talking about how things look. Uh-huh. Let me describe it for you. <laughs> when we do the videos for service, the camera's back far enough that I, I just look like, like a, I got like a fuzzy face, but uh, it's it's half white like a skunk, and but the white is not even, so like the white on the beard goes more to the right than to the left, so it looks like I've got a mustache that goes like from my lip, up over the lip and then all the way down to my chin on the other side, like I've got a half cowboy handlebar mustache. Nice. It's. It's really terrible looking, actually. <laughs> well, oh, well, I guess that'll be the end of us talking about our facial hair. Let's move on to... Uh... How's your beard doing? Can oh. you even grow a beard yet? <laughs> you know, I did uh, I did go a few days, but, you know, I, I don't know why we have to give up personal hygiene just because of COVID-19. <laughs> I still so. took a shower sometime oh, last that's week. That's nice. That's good. I read some... I, I don't know if I believe this. I read some article about why... People got married in June, and it's because they said in this article that in the old days, people would take their annual bath in May. Oh. And they still smelled nice enough in June, which doesn't make sense for a number of reasons. But number one is because, well, then why didn't they get married in May? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's number one. That's one Fair number point. one suspicion. And then number two, I'm always suspicious of these things that talk about how bad it used to be in the ancient world because we have enough of this sort of chronological snobbery that we don't need help. In what month did you get married? June. <laughs> See, I got. And married I in... take my annual shower in April, so it, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> I I got married in August, so I didn't apparently didn't uh, do anything to. <laughs> To ruin my. I remember that wedding. I don't remember the wedding. I remember the party afterwards. It was off the hook. How's that business going, by the way? Oh man, Wolfmiller's DJ Services. This that reminds me of my buzzword for today. Yeah, and it is this: hope. 
Was that my buzzword last week? Maybe. <laughs> I The word hope. Here's my working definition. I've been thinking a lot about hope because, you know, Easter. Also, we're studying it in the Worldwide Bible Class. Did you Have you been into the Worldwide Bible Class yet? No, I have not. Tuesday mornings, we're doing this thing on the Zoom, and uh, we're studying the, the theology of hope. And tomorrow, which is Tuesday, if you're listening and it's not Monday, when we're recording... Anyhow, so the uh, <laughs> we're doing the topic of hope, and tomorrow we're going to talk about hope and spiritual warfare, because when Paul lists the armor of God in Thessalonians, he talks about the, the helmet of hope. This is really amazing. But, it, but And how the devil attacks faith, hope, and love, and all this. But we do this Zoom Bible study. Whoever wants to come from all the worlds, so we have people almost every continent. I don't think we've had South America in the, there yet, at least that we know of. But so all the other continents... So if you're uh, listening in South America, please. Yeah, South America and Antarctica have been underrepresented. But it's really cool. We, we So we study the Bible for an hour on the Zoom. And um, it's a lot of fun. So we're working through the biblical doctrine of hope. You know, I think after this podcast makes it out, I bet the Antarctica listeners are really going to come through. I think we haven't heard from Antarctica in a long time. Oh, oh, but I never didn't even define the buzzword yet. So how about this for a definition of hope? Hope is the good story we tell ourselves about the future. That's the common definition. It is. Mm -hmm. So the the idea of that we're part of this kind of narrative and we're trying to piece together a narrative of our own life. I'm just intrigued by this idea. So we we you know, there's a lot of details that have happened to us in the past, but we weave that together as a particular story, and that we kind of extend that story into the future. And if it's nice, it's we call it hope. And if it's bad, we call it despair. But the point of our Christian hope is that because nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. That's what the nice, that's a nice gift that the corona has given us, is that it reminds us, hey, you don't know what the future's going to be. But Jesus does, and he, so the Christian hope is different than the world's hope. So, for example, how about this, what Paul will say in Galatians? He says, don't, don't be like the, or is it Ephesians? Don't be like the Gentiles who have no hope and are without God in the world. So one of the marks of the Gentiles, from the Christian perspective, is that they've got no hope. And we do. We have so much to say about that. So, anyway. There you go, hope. <laughs> this is funny. So um, I, I thought I would get a really good buzzword this time, so I Google searched Lutheran buzzwords. Yeah. And uh, Matt Richards' uh, website comes up. He has a glossary of Lutheran. He calls it the Welcome to the Lutheran Lexicon, he calls it. Wow. Um, so. Uh, That's nice. So I like that guy, Matt Richards. He's, he's a good... He's a good uh, friend and theologian, so yeah. he's got good stuff. However, I think some of these uh, some of these definitions got crossed, a, a web development mistake, I'm sure. But I thought I'd give you alien righteousness. Are you, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Items of belief not essential to salvation. Oops, In oops. Lutheran thought, <laughs> the adiaphora were defined as practices of the church that were neither commanded nor forbidden in Scripture. In contemporary terms... Adiaphora are those things not clearly addressed by Scripture that Christians may freely practice or believe with a clear conscience before God that do not affect salvation. Let you know what we should, what game we should play is correct Matt Richards Lutheran lexicon. You give me the definition, and I give you what it is. We could just mash these up. Yeah. So yeah. What, what what word is was was defined there? 
Uh, Adiafra. Yeah. All right. I'll <laughs> okay. make I'll make that my buzzword for you. Okay. Adiafra. <laughs> right, let me change it. I was like, wait a minute. This isn't alien righteousness. <laughs> this sounds a lot like Adiafra. This is alien offera. <laughs> okay, but uh, in serious- this Matt Richards is a heretic. <laughs> what does he say about good works? Oh. It's like. Only by the grace of God are we saved. (laughs) 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 Probably should get that straightened up. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so Adi Afra, though, I mean, so here's the the different ways that it was these things were approached uh, historically during the Reformation. So you had you had practices in the church that the Bible did not command. And so um, the reform take the perspective like, wait a minute, if if the Bible doesn't tell us to do it. Why are we doing it? We we well, have yeah, to right. we have to go to the Bible and find a biblical defense for everything that we would possibly do in worship. Um, the Lutherans did not take that approach, however, because um, they could say that some things, while not expressly commanded by the Scriptures, uh, do not contradict the Scriptures either. So there are things that are uh, good and useful for maintaining the church, for teaching the faith, and whatnot. And if it doesn't contradict the scripture, then then leave it alone. Don't touch it. So uh, Adiapha refers to these things that are neither commanded nor forbidden. And the the practice for the ref, the the Lutheran reformers was to leave those things alone unless there was a good reason to change them. Now today we take Adiapha to be I can do whatever I want. You can't tell me what to do. Uh, but just note the the difference. In the way, the... Adi, it's like when you play hide and go seek. Adi Adi Afra free. Remember that? <laughs> I remember Adi, that. I'm coming to look for you. I remember Adi, that Adi, from Afra. when you said it before. On the, I don't have any reference to what you're saying otherwise, but I remember using Adi, that here. There's this thing we used to call Ali Ali Oxen free. What is that from? That's when you're playing hide and go seek or tag or whatever. I don't know. From the, it's from the old. Must world. be a generational I don't even know gap. What, I don't know. I don't know what language it even is. <laughs> I'm coming after you. Like adi, adi, opera. It's like, ah, do whatever I want. <laughs> so, yeah. That... Hey, guys, you shouldn't maybe do a sermon series on tarot cards. Hey, it's Adi, opera. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, but but think about that, though. There was a consideration of what's better for the church at large, right? I mean, the, it wasn't just, you know, I am an entity unto myself that I'm going to do what feels right to me. <laughs> It was um, it was a respect. I mean, th- that's what's at the base of that perspective. It's a it's a respect for what has been handed down to us. And we all things are subject to the scriptures. I mean, the the, the scriptures are are the only infallible authority. But, but they say, look at look here in the book of Judges. It says everyone did what was right in their own sight. See, ah, it's biblical. Well, there you go. Yep. <laughs> What's what's oh, that joke good. about the person who um, wants to be led by the word? So just opens a random page and points, and so they open the uh, opens the Bible and points, and it says Judas hung himself. You know, Ooh, that doesn't sound right. So he, so he does a, so he does it again, and it says go do likewise. Oh man, oh, I don't. Know. <laughs> he made their grave with the wicked. What what's going on here? Context. A little more context. (laughs) All right. So when we get back from this break, we're going to be playing uh, Name That Theologian and Name That Church Body. Pastor Wolfner has these things called books with pages and numbers and letters. I don't know. We'll we'll have to figure out what that's all about. But then I'm going to be reading from church websites, and he's going to figure out what church I'm reading from. We'll see if I can find some hard ones for him. Uh, Then we'll be right back. What, What are we doing after that, Pastor? Maybe we'll do name that buzzword from Pastor Richard's website. <laughs>
We'll be right back. What buzzword should it be? That could, we could do that with Jeopardy. Why don't we do that? All right. Matt Richards buzzword Jeopardy. We'll just never know if we actually got Ear the plugs <laughs> not included. You're on Table Talk Radio. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. Getting that first segment out of the way is kind of like getting all the energy out before you can actually calm down and do something. Really? Yeah. It's like it's like when the kids are a little wound up and want to take a few laps around the house. Then you can sit down and concentrate on this activity. Now we've got the buzzwords out of the way. Now we're ready to do some real table talk radio. Okay. <laughs> Get into it. So you have... Uh, now, what are they called again? Books? Yeah, although, ironically... I'm going to be working off of my Kindle. Oh, that is ironic. Okay. I got the I got the old, uh, I got, you know, this old tablet that I had. I don't know. I got it 15 years ago, maybe less than that, five years ago or something. And um, I never, I hadn't been using it lately. So I said, what if, uh, maybe I should do some, put some books on there and read that way. And uh, And so two nice things happened. Number one is... I found a bunch of the books that I had downloaded on Kindle and also on Google Books. There's a ton of Google book stuff, you know. And then and 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 uh, and the other nice thing. How about this? Did you know this happens? That if you're reading a book on, say, your Google Book Reader, and you highlight something, it create you can set it up to create a little Google Doc that just pulls all the highlights. That's together. pretty cool. That is really cool. And the other nice thing is I can just sit here and tweet this stuff so i've been thinking i should i don't know there you go set up a set up a twitter account and just just the things that you highlight from your reading yeah so it just feeds over there so i've been reading and tweeting you know cool so it's been nice so i've been uh and the because i've been trying to there's a couple other things i'm working on i'm trying to i'm trying to do a pull together a few more voices for some of the articles I'm supposed to be working on for Lutheran Witness. So I got to I just got to I got to keep throwing stoking the fire the theological imagination. So so this has been helpful. So anyway, so I got a I got one book here open well, in my Kindle say, which just, I've really been enjoying. Just be careful because if you use that feature while you're doing a critique book like of Joel Osteen or something like that, people might not know that's why you're tweeting those things out. So I'm just going to Right, that's right. That's you're right. highlighting well, this, all the really so the, bad things. Yeah. And then I got the other one, this Google, the Google Play. So you, there's a bunch of books that are out of print that are just free on there. So I got one of those. This book I'm thinking about, sort of, so I can kind of test run the books that I want to that I want to reprint. That's also kind of nice. Yeah. So anyway, so I've been doing that. So I got one book open in the in the Kindle. I got one book open in the Google Play, and I got one book open on the actual paper. So we got three three different authors, three different books for this game. So okay. So you tell me, what do you want to do first, Kindle, Google Play, or the uh, or the real actual book? Kindle, Kindle. Okay, I'm open. You have uh, zero to two thousand and forty-seven locations. You know how it doesn't do it by pages? Oh, right. I don't know if you know that. But anyway, you you should pick below like a hundred and uh, a thousand and one thousand one hundred because that's where I've read. So I can pull some highlights. Just just a number below one thousand one hundred. 
So yep. how about uh, 532? 532, Apparently, coming we're up. doing page for points, too, in this game. Oh, nice. Okay, here's one. Let us not deceive ourselves. A Jewish teacher of the first century can never satisfy the longing of our souls. Clothe him with all the art of modern research. Throw upon him the warm, deceptive calcium light of modern sentimentality. And despite it all, common sense will come to its rights again. For, and for our brief hour of self-deception, as though he had been with Jesus, will wreck upon us the revenge of hopeless delusionment. Whoa. <laughs> That's nice, huh? Hmm. Yeah. I'd... So give me your thoughts about that, and I'll read a couple. I'll read the. Uh, I'll finish. I'll finish this section here. I'll give you three different quotes, and then this would probably give you something to guess on. So, um, I don't. I don't know. I have a reaction to that. It's a. Uh, the idea is, it's contrasting this idea of Jesus as the. Jesus as the Jewish teacher, and that's all. Hmm. And as you could try to think of Jesus as the great teacher. But it won't. It just simply won't hold up. You can deceive yourself for a little bit. Here, I'll, I'll read the next part. Okay. But says the modern preacher, are we not in being satisfied with the quote historical Jesus, the great teacher who proclaimed the kingdom of God, merely restoring the simplicity of the primitive gospel? No, we answer, you are not. But temporarily, at least, you are not so very far wrong. You are really returning to a very primitive stage in the life of the church. Only, that stage is not the Galilean springtime, for in Galilee men had a living Savior. There was one time, and only one time, when the disciples lived, like you, merely on the memory of Jesus. Hmm. When was that? It was a gloomy, desperate time. <laughs> it was the three sad days after the crucifixion. That then and only then did Jesus' disciples regard him merely as a blessed memory. <laughs> we trusted, they said, that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. We trusted, but now our trust is gone. Shall we remain with modern liberalism forever in the gloom of those sad days, or shall we pass out of it to the warmth and joy of Pentecost? Wow. How fantastic is that? Now, do I know I this author? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Um, I love it. I, this is, that is such a great point. So, this, if you want to be a liberal theologian, that's fine. You can be on the Emmaus Road forever. <laughs> I mean, so the, the point is well made, though, that um, you know, liberal scholarship likes to just talk about Jesus as a historian uh, or, or as a figure of history, rather. So, um, you know, th whether he did anything for us spiritually, that is off the table. Really, he was just a man. Like, we might talk about... George Washington or Abraham Lincoln. That's the extent of which um, we can talk about Jesus. And that, of course, offers no hope. That offers nothing that um, that would be worth our salvation. 500 points for me for using your buzzword without you noticing. Huh. Um, and then, <laughs> um, but, but, but here he, he likens it then to the, the memory that the disciples had while they were uh, waiting before the resurrection, but as they thought, oh, well, I guess that guy who is no longer here did not come to save us. That's, that's your plight. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really well, well said. Ah, I love it. So he wanted, he wants some more. This is so good. Yeah. I'll give you one more paragraph. Certainly we shall remain forever in the gloom 
if we attend merely to the character of Jesus and neglect the thing that he has done, if we, try, if we try to attend to the person and neglect the message, we may have joy for sadness and power for weakness, but not by easy halfway measures, not by avoidance of controversy, not by trying to hold on to Jesus and yet reject the gospel. What was, what was it with that within a few days transformed a band of mourners into the spiritual conquerors of the world? It was not the memory of Jesus' life. It was not the inspiration which came from past contact with him, but it was the message, He is risen. That message alone gave to the disciples a living Savior, and it alone can give to us a living Savior today. We shall never have vital contact with Jesus if we attend to his person and neglect the message, for it is the message which makes him ours. Hmm. <laughs> this is so great. Who, I love this book. Who is that person who first uh, kind of coined the phrase... Um liar lunatic lord cs well i don't know i've heard it from cs lewis that's probably i mean so that that kind of gets at this issue that here you have this person in history and what are you going to do with the things that he said um you could say that he was just lying he was a false teacher you could say that uh, he was a crazy guy those those at least are dealing with the person other than other otherwise people say oh that Jesus thing is just a myth. It never really happened. These are actually attempts to say, look, he was a guy that walked on earth just like anyone else in history. Um, or the other conclusion would be that, you know, he's Lord. So you can kind of analyze those. But but what you can't do is divorce this person who lived about 2,000 years ago from the things that he said. And that's, I think, the mm -hmm. point. Uh, that, mm -hmm. that he made these claims, and his claims are, well, promises to be believed for our salvation— uh, or that they would be actually condemning if we do not believe them. But they're, it's his message nonetheless. Right. There's a line like that that comes up later that I just read, uh, maybe yesterday. It says, The truth is that if Jesus be merely an example, he is not a worthy example, for he claimed to be far more than maybe, an example. Are you reading from my book? Is that what? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Did um, you write this? I think so. Um. Boy. Jesus for him, that is for St. Paul, oh, sorry, for the liberal, Jesus for the modern liberal Christian, is an example for faith, not the object of faith. Mm. This is a great distinction. The modern liberal tries to have faith in God like the faith which he supposes Jesus had in God, but he does not have faith in Jesus. According to modern liberalism, in other words, Jesus was the founder of Christianity because he was the first Christian, and Christianity consists in maintenance of the religion, religious life which Jesus instituted. But was Jesus really a Christian? Or to put the answer, the question another way, are we able or ought we as Christians enter in every respect into the experience of Jesus and make him in every respect our example? Certain difficulties will soon arise with regard to the question. That's fantastic. Boy, I'm I'm scratching my head on this. Um, so he's obviously someone uh, contemporary or not that far removed. I mean, talk about liberal, modern liberal scholarship. Um, someone who works against that. Um, I mean, this could be this could be some kind of a fundy, or it could be a. Uh, I mean, this, this could really be anyone who believes the Bible. <laughs> believes the Bible is true. I'm going to I'm going to take the break to ponder it. I'm going to venture a guess on the other side of this break and then I have 
a, a church website to read from for you that uh, see if you can hone in on what church website I'm looking at. So Right on. All right. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I'm going to guess on this theologian after this break. I don't know if I'm going to get the points, but we'll go for those 532. times when you just want to be alone. This is Table Talk Radio. The Sunday Drive Home, grappling with the text on the Theo Vlog. These are some of the playlists on the YouTube channel. Visit YouTube slash Wolfmuller1. Check it out there. Okay, we're playing Name That Theologian, Pastor Wolfmuller, in the last segment. Read some quotes from this uh, a theologian who is working against modern liberal scholarship, saying that we have to actually deal with Jesus and his message, and to ignore that is to lose hope altogether. Um, I don't know. This, this you picked a great page just for the con- you know for the whole context of the Easter well, thing. Thank well you done. very much. Um, I was really just going after the points. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. This is a shot in the dark. I'm going to say Al Mohler. Uh, eh, oh, oh. Although I bet you Al Mohler's read this book. This is J. Gresham Maycomb, ah. Machen, Christianity and Liberalism. Nice. What a great book. I love this book. It's an old classic. Um, so, this is great. All right. I have a website for you. Now, this website has a... Very, very poorly designed uh, statement of beliefs page, but within this page, I found this little article. Why? I, I, don't know, I can't believe you're throwing them under the bus for their page design. Is that now? <laughs> is that how churches have to get critiqued? It, like they, yeah, they're supposed to be critiqued on the basis of how easily I can find things to play for this game. That's how it, I, I judge, I judge church websites. Not on their appearance, but on the content of their character. Well, here, here's your opportunity. So I found this article called What is the Meaning of Life? I'm just going to read from the article. You stop me when you want to. Okay. But uh, see if you can pin it down. It says, uh, what is the meaning of life? Why are we here? What is our purpose? The Church of the Lord Jesus Christ is uniquely competent to answer these questions without ambiguity. <laughs> ambiguity. I can't say that. Ironically, you can't say the word ambiguity. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Without ambiguity or apology. <laughs> that's awesome. Ambigu- anyway. The Alpha and the Omega, Am- the true and living God, the great and dreadful God, the consuming fire made earth and heaven and everything seen and unseen. There is no other God. In his wisdom, he created an innumerable race of beings called angels to do his bidding. A third of the angels left their first estate, followed Satan, and rebelled against God. God did not provide a savior for the fallen angels and sentenced them to hell forever. God. This is an interesting thing. So it's like a statement of faith, but it's a story. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like uh, that's. I, I kind of like that idea, by the way, because I'm all into the story now. Okay. You know, so you're. I'll you're tell right. you a story about this one time that you were reading me a statement of faith. And, <laughs> It intrigued me because it followed a narrative plot. Okay, but nothing, um, I mean, it's so some sort of biblical something. So far, so good. Okay, God created man in his image. Satan beguiled man, and man, Adam and Eve, uh, sinned against God at the, uh, at the Garden of Eden. God okay. 
drove out man from the Garden of Eden, and man became an outcast and abhorrent to God. When Adam sinned against God, the race of man sinned against God. Yeah. When when I just want to make sure I read that right. When Adam sinned against God, the race of man sinned against God, and all were sentenced to mortal life, to die, and to go to hell. Of God's own accord, he provided a Savior, his own Son, Jesus Christ, to die for the sins of a few elect souls. Their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and will enter heaven, and those not in the Lamb's Book of Life will be cast into the lake of fire. Christ was born to Mary and Joseph and came the first time to suffer, be shamed, and hated of all men, to be tempted and ridiculed, have cruel mockings, be tortured, and crucified. Christ will come a second time at the end of the world as a thief in the night, in power and glory, with mighty angels and ten thousand mm. of saints to execute judgment on mankind. The earth will melt away. All men will stand before the terror of the Lord and the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in the body, whether it be good or evil. Do you know, do you know the thing that I'm honing in on is this? There's this um, is this business of the elect few. Mm. Uh, what could you read those sentences again? Sure. Of God's own accord, He provided a Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for the sins of a few elect souls. Okay. Okay. You want me to keep going, or? Yep. Now, now go. And the emphasis on the last days. But again, so that's been that to die for the for a few elect souls has been the only thing, because I think that everything else would fall in line with with biblical Christianity, there's a strong emphasis on the end times and this idea that the first coming was humble, the second coming is glorious. That's kind of, that. there's a kind of dispensational thing. But there's also a Calvinistic thing happening in the in this business, because remember the Calvinists believe in the limited atonement, that Christ died for the elect, not for all people, but for the elect. That's what the L in the tulip is, limited atonement. Mm-hmm. So, so there's definitely a Calvinistic thing, but Normally, your Calvinists are not so in your face about end times stuff. Hmm. So we got a few more sentences to. to oh yeah, we got much more okay. as much as you would like. Okay. Okay. As Keep told in the scriptures, in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, He will judge the earth and, through many wondrous events, destroy the earth and most of mankind and establish His administration on earth. As uh, sorry, let me start. Life is proving ground to show forth who is worthy of heaven and who has transgressed oh, wow. against God and is worthy of hell. Those in hell, their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. In the days of Noah, God saw that the wickedness of man was great, that every imagination of their thoughts of his heart was evil continually, and that the earth was corrupt and filled with violence. And it grieved God, and he re- and it repented him that he made them that's interesting though that's the king james language so this this sounds like a kjv only Mm. and here's another thing that i'm noticing is that so kind of life is proven ground of worthiness that is stunning language but that most of the classical marks of doctrine are not mentioned here so the doctrine of the trinity the doctrine of original sin the doctrine of the two natures of christ these are left out Mm. Um, which is also just a, just an interesting thing. I mean, when you're putting together sort of a statement of faith, you're gonna you're gonna probably want to mention those things, but these these folks are not. 
All right, I, I think I'm almost ready to to hazard a guess, but you got a couple more lines you want to give me? Tell you what, let me let me kind of scan through this and see if there's something that could really help you out a little bit. Assuming I need help. I mean, hypothetically. Yeah. Okay. So it is an interesting thing. I mean, you so, so at this last part, you start to get the the kind of anger of the of coming through. It's like mm. there's this great it's like taking you know, Jesus talks about the, the last days. Let me say this. Peter um, warns us that the last day, there's a sadness even to the Lord regarding the last day. He's not slow about his coming. His summer in the habit of considering slowness, but he's patient, long-suffering, not wanting any to perish. So that the, the stall that we're in now, waiting for Jesus to come back, to the, the, the great pause that we're, is because of his, his desire for all people to be saved. And so when you read this, you, you get kind of the opposite. It's like, yeah, the day's coming when everyone's going to get their comeuppance. And um, I think that pushes against the, it pushes against the way that the, the Holy Spirit would have us think about the last days. Mm. Okay, let me give you like uh, one more paragraph says, Christ says, the road to heaven is narrow, the gate is straight, and few go therein. But the Lord to hell is broad, the gate is wide, and many go therein. The load, the Lord to hell? The, it should be the, the road to The hell. road, yeah, the road, road to, to hell. hell. Sorry if I... Yeah, yeah. Um, what is your life? Asks the apostle. He answers, it is a vapor that is here at a little time, and therein vanishes away. The psalmist says that the days of man are like grass. The wind passeth over it and it is gone, so it is quickly gone that the Lord, sorry, so that the place where it is was, ah, let me reread that. Um, so it is quickly gone that the place where it was does not even know it was there. Every human either lives their short life in service to God or in service to Satan. And then it says those who are live in service to God to display these characteristics and it lists out um, like 30 different things that Christians should exhibit. And it says, those that overcome, Christ will give him her to eat of the tree of life, to eat the hidden manna that are given in white stone with a new name written in the stone, are given the morning star, given the clothes of white remnant, and are made a pillar in the temple of God, and are made hmm. to sit with Christ in his throne. And Christ will confess his or her name before his Father and before his angels. I hath not seen nor ear heard the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Wow. Well, so I, I think um, what's really interesting is, you know, when we look in the history of, Christian church, of the Christian church, there's always been this, there's always been these um, reformed kind of moves these purifying moves, some were godly, some were not, where the church kind of like falls asleep, and so then you're then there's like this wake up call, and so you get it like with the Anglicans, then you have the Methodists, and then with the Methodists they get they fall asleep, so then you get the Nazarenes, and there's always this yeah. strong theme of Christian perfection. There's always like there's two ways, there's two ways that that the church is tempted to try to sound the alarm. One is towards the glory of the gospel, and the other is towards the seriousness of works. And mm. this mark seems to be that seriousness of good works. What I wonder is how much of the Calvinism underlying, the Calvinistic theology of election underlying this doctrine is, 
is shaping what's going on there. But, hmm. but I, this sounds like the, one of these churches that is so convinced of its own purity that they cast everyone else off in such a way. And the the church, the only church that I know of that comes to mind would be Westboro Baptist. Uh, so that would be my guess. But or something certainly like that. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> That's impressive. That's impressive. <laughs> I did not think that. I mean, there were some hints that you honed in on, but I did not think it was so obvious you would be able to get it right off. So congratulations. All right, we'll have another word about this, and then your roundup. Table Talk Radio, where the voice crying in the wilderness is the listener. The Daily Bible Meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. You got it. Westboro Baptist Church from the article, The Meaning of Life. Ba-boom. Now, I think it's interesting that... Um, basically, if we boil down everything that this article has to say, is that the meaning of life is that this is kind of a a training ground. It's 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 the stage to know whether you're one of God's elect or not. Right. Um, and it, that, so th- now, I I fully admit that uh, Westboro Baptist Church is not the the model demonstration of of Calvinist doctrine. However, one of the accusations that we oftentimes level of against kind of the five-point Calvinism is that when you take away universal atonement, that you can't really know whether you're elect or not, and it resorts to your works, that you use your Mm -hmm. works to be an indication. And this is just that magnified, (laughs) you know, so that that there's this list I didn't even read of like 30 things that, what did it say? Uh, those that live in service to God display a number of characteristics, and it has things like they are spiritually minded, they are uh, spoken of as evildoers, they enter the kingdom of God after much tribulation, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you're you're looking at, boy, am I hitting these marks? And uh, rather than just resting in the promises of God, because you cannot be sure that the promise of God applies to you. That's right. So where do you look for surety? I mean, your only option is good works or mystical experience or some combination of the two. And mm-hmm. and here the good works are, you know, God, it's, it, you just assume that God is angry. I mean, I don't know. There's something there's something really wrong with the Westboro Baptist. I mean, right. There's there's a few wires crossed, I think. So, okay. but, you know, it's, it is kind of the theology taken to its logical as you said, it's it's theology taken to its logical extreme. So, when we draw a connection between between um, double predestination and this kind of activism, you know, it's it might be a thin line, but it is a line nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. all right. So that, we, that that's for sure to get the Calvinists. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, riled we'll, up, we'll be sure to which give them, they love. We'll be sure to give them the fake phone number again. <laughs> all right. So we have about eight minutes left for your final round. I'm going to go with— In the show? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, all right. I got a book here. Okay, go. Uh, you got a, You want to pick some pages? Now, is this, is this, this the thing. Google book or is this the hard book? This is the Google book. Okay. Uh, should I just throw a number? How about in 219? 
Okay, how do I change pages? Two hundred and nineteen. Okay, here. I or just read it. Every wow, <laughs> you got you got four hundred and fifty pages in this thing. All right, good. To read two nineteen. Boom, there it is. Just read them all. Uh, this is under the subtitle, um, Revelation. Revelation, relation of revelation to reason. But to see the light, the eye must be opened. And to perceive the sun, a right position must be occupied with respect to it. And so too must we, must we unclose our reason and bring it into a right position with respect to revelation, if it is to be enlivened thereby. Moreover, we must be willing to have it enlightened. It often happens that an object may be before our eyes without our seeing it, that a sound may reach our ears without our hearing it, because our attention is not directed toward it, because we do not yield ourselves to the impression. So too shall we fail in, atten in attaining a knowledge of revelation unless we surrender ourselves thereto. This surrender of knowledge is love. All true knowledge is a loving absorption in its object. Only love of the truth understands the truth. Love is not blind, as has been said, but sees correctly, and in fact alone sees correctly, for it alone sees the nature of things and their hidden truth. So this I haven't is, read this, by the way. This is farther on than I, than I am, See, seeing as I'm on, like, page 7. This is interesting. So you you have this, in, in dealing with Revelation, this need for reason so that we don't just cast aside all reason, um, but yet we have to, we, we let our reason be informed by the Revelation itself. Um, and this author makes the the thing that does that uh, love that love love what equals truth or love love loves truth <laughs> and so is that is that a good how did, paraphrase? How did it say it here it says whoops it said um the lo only the love of the truth understands truth yeah it, it, here's it goes on a little bit to explain it quotes Pascal it is with the heart that we truly know and especially that we truly know God and his revelation, as Pascal so finely says, things human must be known to be loved. Things divine must be loved to be known. Hmm. He who walks in this way of love will not fail to perceive that revelation is, of all things, that which is most in harmony with reason, nay, that it itself, that it is itself the highest reason, the reason's truth. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. This is not something not to think about. <laughs> All right. Do you have another section? To, we have uh, five let's here. see. Uh, uh, let me go to the beginning. Let okay. me pull up some, some stuff in the beginning. How do, how do I turn the pages here? Pause. Let me just flip back a few pages. That's what I'll do. Um, I'm on page 32. Okay. This is under The Contradictions of Existence. We all bear within us a secret opposition to God, and yet we are made for God. In vain, O man, dost thou seek in thyself a remedy for thy misery. Thy highest wisdom can attain nothing beyond the knowledge that thou canst find neither truth nor the true good in thyself. Philosophers have promised it to you, but have been unable to keep the promise. And yet we cannot cease from craving after it. My whole heart burns to know where the true good is to be found. Nothing would be too costly to attain it. We long for truth and find within us nothing but uncertainty. We seek happiness 
and find only misery and death. We are incapable of ceasing to long for truth and happiness, and are yet incapable of attaining either. The desire is left us only to punish us and to show us whence we are fallen. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so there's this kind of irony in original sin that um, that we have we that we are born dead in our trespasses and sin, and so we're born as enemies of God and rebellers against God. So that is true. At the same time, as a creation of God, we have this uh, yearning for God um, that we uh, we have. Um, What's the word? Um, we have, I don't know, a, a need to, to be in fellowship with God, but we can't because of sin. Um, so this is, I think this is true. I don't think it denies original sin to talk about how uh, man um, naturally has a, uh, a yearning for God, but, but probably wouldn't be able to identify it as such. Uh, we just have to maintain that that uh, he lacks the ability to to rectify himself to that God, uh, or even to a, maybe even identify the God. You know, d- identify as the true God. But there is kind of this need. Um, boy, I don't know how to hone in on on a author here. Do you have any mm. thoughts on that quote? I mean, is there? A... Yeah, it is. It's a. It's fascinating. I I'm not a hundred percent sure what I think about it. I. I I'm not sure, 100% sure what I think about this guy. I'll tell you who it is. Well, I don't know. It's uh, this is Luthart. Um, hmm. The he's the mid-century. He, this was lectures. It's called apologetic lectures on the fundamental truths of Christianity. I think they were first offered in uh, by Christian Ernst Luthart. Probably this is book was published 1873. These lectures are probably given. Oh yeah, here 1864 in, I think, Leipzig or something like this. And um, Luthart and Pieper were arguing against each other. So you'll see mm. Luthart often, sometimes Pieper will quote him in the mm. positive, sometimes he'll critique him in the negative. But he was one of these theologians who was operating at about that time. And apparently these lectures are helpful. My buddy Alex um, is always on my case to read these guys. So I pulled it up, and I mean, this guy, and... And so it's good to to kind of wrestle with, and I and and I think that what he's talking about here is true. We we see in ourselves, you know, we see a capacity for things that we cannot achieve. Mm-hmm. We see that we ought to live, but we don't. We see that we ought to do good, but that we don't. We see in a law in ourselves the good that I would, I don't, and so forth. And that that this is a this is a testimony of our fallenness. Uh, and our need for a savior. I think this is well, and, this and so is true. so I think the way that we would talk about this um, would be through uh, natural law, as uh, Romans says that that the the attributes of God are are self evident, or what? How does it say it? The attributes of God are uh, plain to see by all, revealed both in nature and in the conscience. So that we that we don't have to have special revelation to know that God exists, that there is a God uh, who's bigger than us, but that will always show a God of law and never a God of mercy. And I, I think that's the extent of what we can say um, without without uh, uh, going against the doctrine of original sin. Right. So, okay. Boy, good. So we didn't get to your other book, unfortunately, but at least— uh, got through a, a, 
a church body and a, and a couple other books. Um, but uh, that's going to be it for us. So, uh, thanks. Oh, man. That's all? That's it. We, got we have to stop now? Ten seconds left here. So Can we do it again next week? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if we see, keep doing Table Talk Radio next week. I don't know. This might be the last one. That's right. right. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> next week's show is Adiaphora. <laughs> this is the show of obligation. <laughs> Thanks for well, listening to this now. edition That's of right. Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, oh, headache, man. heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.